So you need to know the dosage for a patient's medication? Well, too bad, pay me. Do you need to know the lab results for that biopsy? Yeah, once again, pay me. Well, that's a new problem, isn't it? Used to have paper records on a shelf, but those were pretty hard to walk off with. You can at least keep an eye on them. You can lock a door on them. Electronic records on your database, however, well, take a number. Who isn't after them? It seems nowadays everyone is. Who isn't going to earn more money on the street today from those records than you will? Because we all know that negotiating a new world of evolving healthcare revenue models is a challenging thing. And we also know that the criminal's revenue model is one of the world's oldest and easiest to understand. If you want it, I've got it. I know you want it. And I've got it. Now let's see how badly you want it back. So how does a newly digitized healthcare industry react to all this attention from a long-ago digitized criminal industry? And how can healthcare organizations operate in a marketplace that asks them to share data widely and securely? How does a healthcare organization ready itself to handle unwanted ransomware attacks? How do healthcare organizations build trust between their people, partners, and patients that they're ready when the attack happens to them, because it will happen. Well, in this episode of Code Red, we're going to explore the evolving threat of ransomware attacks on the healthcare industry with HIMSS Privacy and Security Committee Chair Josh Black. All that and more coming up. Intrusion Detected. Code Red. Throughout the year and around the world, HIMSS brings stakeholders from the healthcare, technology, and public sectors together around a shared mission to transform health through information technology. August 22, 2016 marked the start of the HIMSS Asia-Pac Conference, held this year in Bangkok, Thailand, and much as at the HIMSS North American Conference, discussions around cybersecurity were a big part of a lot of conversations. For me, some of the highlights included a full-day pre-conference symposium on the topic of cybersecurity, and we had speakers from Hong Kong, Thailand, Australia, and others, and they provided a great overview of the security challenges and the issues specific to their regions. The issues are global. Whether you're talking about keeping up with system vulnerabilities or dealing with ransomware variants or the lack of the right kind of people to help secure your data. And two things stood out for me. One was learning that Thailand has approved changing the name of its Ministry of Information and Communication Technology to the Ministry of Digital Economy and Society. And I think this clearly shows the power of digital communications to transform culture and economies. One other point made that I found interesting was Singapore's approach to cybersecurity threats. Over the next several months, the nation-state will be removing civil servant access to the Internet through government computers. It may sound like an extreme approach, but it's one worth watching for any unexpected issues and whether it meets the expected outcomes. Of course, there was a lot more on a wide variety of topics. It was a great conference with over 1,500 in attendance. And I wanted to thank everyone who made this conference a success. Asia Pac 17 will be held in Singapore. The HIMSS Privacy and Security Forum is the nation's leading event dedicated exclusively to healthcare privacy and security. These premier two-day conferences are held throughout the country and bring together hundreds of senior executives for thought leadership focused on solving some of the industry's toughest challenges. 
The HIMSS Privacy and Security Forum is designed to meet the needs of CIOs, CISOs, and other senior health IT leaders. And the information shared at the forum is practical, solutions-based, and actionable. It's designed to help with planning, coordination, and oversight. Each event offers the opportunity to learn of industry developments, network with peers, and discuss key topical issues. Some of the topics covered include cloud security, cybersecurity, HIPAA, identity and access management, incident response, medical device security, vendor management, and much more. The next HIMSS Privacy and Security Forum is scheduled for December 5th through the 7th at the Western Boston Waterfront in Boston, Massachusetts. And you can find more information about this upcoming HIMSS Privacy and Security Forum on the landing page for this episode of Code Red. I'm here with Josh Black, chair of the HIMSS Privacy and Security Committee. He's also manager IT security administration, information risk officer, and assistant HIPAA security officer for the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. Josh, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Well, let's get right to it here. What We want to talk about uh, ransomware and, and how the C-suite is involved in this and what their obligations and responsibilities might be, but also um, what they might be able to do. So so what does a CIO or a CISO need to understand about ransomware? And is it different from what a CEO needs to understand? You know, when it comes to the C-suite, I think that the biggest thing that they need to, to know and understand is that this is a real threat. And it's something that can destroy a company And unless a plan is put in place for early detection, for mitigating the concerns, for training and educating the staff, uh, for doing backups, for doing whatever is needed to recover from uh, a ransomware attack, it it, it could take down a company. It could take down a company for days, for weeks, for months. You could lose all your information. And, you know, I'm sure all organizations put a lot of value in their information, whether it's patient information, financial information, or other. Uh, So, yes, it's 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 kind of the same message to both the CIO, the CISO, and the CEO in, the, in that you can lose your information and it can destroy your company. So for a CIO and a CISO, they need to focus on learning about ransomware. How, how does ransomware occur? How does it get into our systems? How does it get into our backups? How does it affect our information? And what can we do to protect that information and mitigate this and, and prevent it from happening in the future? And so that's, I think that's important that they're involved in learning about ransomware and, and actively uh, approaching how to implement systems or solutions or training to mitigate that. Well, you, you mentioned how does it get in and, and things like that. So let's let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, can you give us an overview of what some of the different types are and and how it does get into our systems? Uh, sure. So th- the biggest thing that we see, and it's most common, is through spam and, and phishing emails uh, using CryptoWall, Locky, Torrent Locker, some of the other types of ransomware. But an email is going to be sent to a person and typically, every organization has some type of marketing strategy. So names are out there, uh, who your executives are, who your marketing people are, who your HIPAA committee is for a, a healthcare organization. And so they're going to try to, to target these individuals, and they'll try to collect information on them uh, through the organization websites, through Facebook, and other methods. And they'll try to make this email uh, look realistic, something that looks very legitimate. And inside that email, there will be a file or a URL, a web link that will then in in turn download some type of ransomware on your 
PC or, or Mac or other computer. And, and that's probably the most uh, realized method for, for getting ransomware onto your systems. And then from there, once it's installed, if nothing's done about it, it, it will begin a process of going through and mapping through other file systems and other uh, share drives and slowly moving its way into deeper um, maybe even into your backups, encrypting more and more, making it harder to uh, recover from that, from, from your backups. Uh, but yes, phishing and spam email is probably the, the most used method for doing this. It's also the easiest, and, and let's face it, it works. Our end users are constantly falling prey to this, including our executives, and this is happening all the time all around us. So it's, it's a little bit beyond the days of just sending out a mass spam, hoping someone will open it. Now people are actually um, studying their targets and learning more about it. And I know you mentioned a couple, you know, Facebook and a couple of things like that. LinkedIn is huge because people yes. put a lot of professional information there. Yes, there's a lot of professional information there, very easily accessible um, definitely used quite often. Um, and, 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 you know, there's other things. I mean, there's the whole put something on a, a USB flash drive and drop it and, and somebody else will pick it up and put it into their system. Or um, a lot of people are teleworking, you know, working from home, taking their laptop home, bringing it into work, letting their kids get on it. And so there's a lot of other ways that stuff can be installed onto a computer and then brought onto the network uh, outside of just your typical phishing uh, email or spam email. So is it possible to know that you have a ransomware problem before you get the screen that says, we've got your data encrypted? Is there a, such a thing as early detection? So that, that is something I'd like to talk about, early detection. And I think that's really important. Um, and, and one of the things that we could do is implement uh, some type of detection sentry, something that will look at your file extensions, file type, see what, uh, you know, you get the common list of, of what you're using and, and what your critical um, systems are, and you look for changes in that. And there's there's several examples of listings of common file extensions or file types pertaining to ransomware. You know, you, Locky has the .locky on the end, or you may have .xxx or .crypt, and you can look for these file extensions and file types or, or how to decrypt um, or recover your your decryption key here or something like that. You can search for those things on your file systems for that early detection and then lock that down until you can go in and remove it before those files have a chance to actually encrypt and damage or harm your, your systems or your files. Um, another thing is installing protective measures uh, through through email and exchange, you know, something that will uh, look at each one of those messages that, that comes in to include the web links and the attachments and they actually do a scan of those as they're coming in before they're delivered to the end user and they check them for malicious files or other other types in, embedded into the the email itself and, and they block that or prevent that before the end user actually gets a hold of it. So there are some things that we can do to kind of detect and prevent and, and you know the biggest thing is just training our end users for what to look for, what to notice and recognize and, and then to how to report that information and who to report it to and coming up with those procedures and those policies that instruct them and guide them through that process and because they're going to be our most valuable asset, but they're also our weakest link and what can hurt us the most. So trying to educate them, make them aware of what they need to do, and, and um, really spending some time pushing that message out so that when it does happen, we're able to get notified and get it blocked or, or uh, removed before it becomes a problem. How do you work with people to uh, help them uh, be aware without being overly suspicious to the point where they don't want to open anything? It's not that we have to really do too much to make them aware. I mean, ransomware 
it's such a hot topic that re- whether you're in IT or not, you're gonna you're gonna know about ransomware. I mean, it's on the in the news, it's in the media, it's on Facebook. I mean, people are talking about it like crazy. So you know that knowing about the threat that exists, that message is already spread. For us, it's more about educating. Our, our staff, our end users on what to do and what to look for. I mean, they already know it's, it's out there. Uh, we put out weekly notifications. We have a internal newsletter that we send out that, that goes out to the entire organization and we send them weekly updates, order some of the trends, order some of the messages that are coming out, things to look for, how to protect against it, uh, what to do with those messages, who to forward them to. And we just kind of make it educational and then we try to relate it to, to them and help them to understand that message. You know, instead of talking in IT terms, we try to talk in terms that that makes sense to them. And, and we also do stuff through our, our HIPAA committees. We'll do things through our steering committees and, and other committees that are out there. Uh, we, we just get involved and we'll go and spend time with different departments and maybe give them a presentation on some of these things that are taking place and how security can help them uh, and, and make their information and what they're doing more secure and safe so that they can continue to, to work and proceed as, as normal. But also, we try to do as much as we can to implement solutions that will uh, protect them basically from themselves so that when they're in the heat of a, the moment and they're, they're running 90 miles an hour and they're trying to get their job done and they're trying to treat patients and take care of a lot of things, oftentimes you tend to overlook things. And so we try to implement uh, those solutions or tools to kind of help look for the signs of that malicious activity and prevent it or stop it before the end user falls prey to it. Have you found that um, involving senior management in this initiative helps um, help, helps the perception that uh, oh this is or helps alleviate the perception that this is just an IT problem and it has nothing to do with me? Uh, yeah, absolutely. If you if you do not involve your senior management and show them how real this problem is and make them aware, then you know, without their buying, without their support, there's no urgency to implementing a solution or trying to combat this. It's all about uh, really expressing the urgency and the importance of of getting um, of getting this message out there and coming up with ways to protect against and mitigate and prevent this from spreading and becoming a real problem for our organization. And we've used other situations at, in our organization that identify why the need for security um, is important and we've kind of shared that story along with ransomware and and what it could do and how how much more damaging it could be than some of the other things that we face in the organization but yes i think senior leadership um, is very very important to attacking this head-on and really implementing what's needed to protect your organization from a threat as big as this all right so true or false I make backups every day. I don't need to worry about ransomware. <laughs> That's false. Yeah. Um, doing backups every day, yes, that's important. That, that's good that you're doing it. But also, when you're doing those backups, are you, are you writing over the information or are you um, just appending to the backup? And you're, I mean, what are you doing with those? Are you saving them off-site? Are you saving them on the, on the network? Uh, did you do a backup of ransomware? And, and now that backup is, you know, and it's still on the network and it's continuing to invest and spread. I mean, it's not, it's not a, a true 
it's not going to protect everything. I mean, there's still going to be risks there, and there's still the possibility of it encrypting those files and spreading. Um, you do need to do backups. You do need to have something to recover from in case it's on a, a file storage that's currently online and you need to recover from a backup. But it's also important that, you know, those backups, uh, as you're doing a backup, you're you're doing that detection that we talked about with the sentries going in and, and looking for malicious file types and extensions, ensuring that your backups are good backups and that they don't have malicious software on them, and then that you're also storing them offline so that they can't be uh, damaged or or attacked uh, from other methods. And while having a good backup is, you know, that might bail you out, there's still a big cost to an enterprise-wide restore operation. Yes, there is. And there's, I mean, there's a time, resources, meaning people and assets. I mean, imagine you're a large healthcare organization. Every hour you're down, you're not treating patients, you're not bringing in money. And if you're depending on that, constant incoming revenue and also the I mean talk about your population in the local area if you're one of the major hospitals that's treating those patients and now they feel like they can't come to you and be seen or you're having problems with your your systems and your network and I mean are they going to feel safe that their information is can be entrusted to your organization I mean people notice these changes in behaviors and attitudes I mean we can try to cover it up and and keep doing business the best that we can without alluding to the fact that, hey, our network is down because we've been attacked through with ransomware and now we're having to recover. I mean, there's just a lot that can go wrong from having to go down and, and do a backup recovery, uh, not not just in the amount of time and cost that it does to get everything back up to where it was, but also how it affects your patient population and your customers. Uh, what what do you think is coming? What, what does the future look like? What's keeping you up at night? The things that's keeping me up at night is where does this stop? I think that this is just the start of, of what we're going to see with ransomware. Imagine them being able to, in the future, control our expensive and valuable assets exclusively through encryption technology. You know, being able to lock us out of our smart meters, vending machines, remote client support software, uh, high, high-end medical devices, um, your pacemakers. I mean, th- there's no end to where this goes. I mean, it's going to be more more than theft. I mean, it's going to be about controlling information, and and they're doing that, and it's, it's continuing to expand and grow, and there's no telling where this is going to stop or how we're going to ever truly keep this from happening in the future. So um, what keeps me up at night is, is knowing that this is just the beginning. It's going to continue to get worse as, as we as we move forward. And I think what you're saying here is that, you know, it's impossible to come up to a point where, due to the evolving threat landscape, zero risk is, you know, possible to achieve. So how do you identify your organization's comfort zone when it comes to risk? So talking about a comfort zone, I think the best way I've heard this described before, and we've had conversations about this in in the past with my colleagues here, that the range of threats from which an enterprise can recover in a reasonable period of time without um, lasting financial or competitive consequences. I mean, you're always going to have risk. You're always going to have threats. But what, accepting the level of risk that you can still recover from that will still move you forward and not set you back. I mean, can you, can, can you recover? I mean, if you're down for 60 days, 
can an institution recover from that? And so I don't think you want to accept any. I mean, you, you obviously want to try to mitigate risk as much as possible, especially something as large as ransomware. But reasonable uh, risk, is, in my opinion, is a reasonable period of time to which you can still recover financially and uh, overcome the competitive consequences that are faced throughout that process. All right, I have one last question for you, Josh. What is there an area of security that our listeners need to pay more attention to? What's what's an underappreciated situation? You know, we we talk about it all the time, and and I think this comes up pretty often, but it continues to be the area that I think we need to focus on the most, and that's the human element. Because honestly, nothing else matters. All the security measures in the world that we come up with can still be brought down by the human element. And at the same time, that human element can also be what saves us. And so we just need to really invest uh, more time and energy, I think, in educating and training our our personnel, our staff. And, and I know training is costly. And when you start thinking about, well, is that going to produce uh, revenue? I mean, it, it, it could. It could save revenue. But in, in a lot of people tend to cut their training budget. And I, and I just think that that's such an issue for us right now. Uh, that we really need to spend more time running real scenarios through our our staff and our personnel, uh, training them on what's going to happen. You know, for instance, there's you can go out there and you can hire a consultant or maybe even do something internally where you send out a phishing email and you show them when they when they click on that phishing email what will happen and you educate them in that moment. That kind of stuff's costly, especially when you're talking about large organizations or even mid-sized organizations. Um, it can it can add up pretty quickly. But I think we need to focus a lot of time and energy in, in our personnel and our staff and really make them aware as much as we can on what to look for, uh, what to de- how to detect those threats and when something bad's happening to them or to their system and, and how to report it and, uh, re- and help us to recover from that and, and keep us in the safe zone, I guess. Josh Black is chair of the HIMSS Privacy and Security Committee. He's also manager, IT security administration, information risk officer, and assistant HIPAA security officer at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. Josh Black, thank you so much, A, for your work on the Privacy and Security Committee and for joining us on Code Red. Thank you, Rod. I appreciate it. I am Ram Ramadas, vice president of Privacy, Information, Security, and Electronic Health Record Compliance Oversight at Catholic Health Initiative. And I'm also a member of HIMSS Privacy and Security Committee. You are listening to Code Red. So what is your organization's ransomware threat posture? Do you have one? We'd like to hear from you. Send us a voice memo from your smartphone telling us the number one cybersecurity threat your organization faces and what you've done to respond to that threat. And please let us know what other topics you think we should cover on the show. Send your voice memos and topic suggestions to coderead at hymns.org. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Code Red. Code Red is co-produced by Adam Bazer. Rhonda Frazier is our story editor and guest relations manager. Special thanks to Lee Kim for her insights and cybersecurity expertise. I'm Rod Pihowski, and we'll see you next time on Code Red. Intrusion detected. Code Red.